going on, everybody? It is officially the end of the NFL football season. The Super Bowl is in the in the wrapped. It has been wrapped up. The NFL season, the 2021-22 season, has officially come to an end uh, with the Rams getting the victory 23-20. to And I'm sure I don't have to ta- tell most of you guys that because if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably an NFL fan and you probably watched the Super Bowl. But if you did not, this is the perfect podcast to listen to. The Super Bowl Recap Podcast. This is the 76th episode of the All In Man Cave Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Cole Haight. It was an amazing game to watch. Awesome hospitality. Actually did not watch the game at my house for the first time in a few years with my buddy Greg uh, and his Chiefs being in the Super Bowl the past few years. We've done a little bit of a small get-together at uh, at my current house in my actual man cave where I do this podcast. Uh, but I actually did travel to friends of ours, uh, friends of me and friends of my girlfriend. Uh, Shout out to Manuela, shout out to Tom, and shout out to Ian, the most interesting sports fan that I've ever met. Real quick, uh, Ian from Brazil is in the United States. Uh, He's here uh, doing some work uh, just in the country. Uh, It's awesome. Great kid. Uh, He's actually a Chargers fan. Asked him what his favorite team was. It's quite interesting that uh, a, a man from Brazil uh, is a huge NFL fan, and, and he's an awesome dude. So shout out to you three uh, for welcoming us and letting us in your house to watch the Super Bowl. It was a great time, great hosts of a great party. So thank you, Manuela. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, Ian. I appreciate it. Plus, Ian, I told you I had a surprise for you, and I still have a surprise for you. So if you listen to this, uh, just know that the surprise is coming. Uh, so... Great Super Bowl. It was awesome. A lot of stuff happened. Uh, We're going to go through a lot of the takeaways. Uh, We have plenty of time and plenty of episodes uh, to talk about year-end. The the year-end in review uh, for the NFL, kind of some takeaways, top players, underrated players, and I've got plenty of uh, of those type podcasts coming up. So stay tuned to to the podcast. Check the feed uh, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. A lot of stuff coming, but definitely going to do some year-end stuff for the NFL, maybe some projections. Uh, So we have a lot of – there's always NFL content. So I'll have plenty of content for you guys. Thank you guys for listening. All the repeat listeners, all the new listeners, I really appreciate it. So let's hop into it. The Super Bowl recap. Let's hop right into it. So I got a few notes here, and we'll talk about a lot lot of this game and kind of some of the stuff that happened within it. Uh, But – Basically, and before you know what, before we hop into it, let's go over the over the picks. So I had nine picks for you guys. I'm gonna go back. I circled them to make sure that I was right or wrong. Um, but we had nine picks. If you give me the benefit of the doubt with the Rams spread, uh, and I also told you guys that if you're not comfortable with it, take the money line. You can give me a half on that. You can give me a tie. I don't care either or. Uh, I went four, four, and one. Uh, so pretty decent and kind of basically is the epitome of what the EK parlays have been uh, from this podcast. All of the parlays, uh, either 500 or close to 500, maybe some weeks a little above, a little below. Not the best in terms of betting odds, not the best in terms of, of results. Uh, but let's go through them quick. Rams minus four did not cover. They only won by three. But if you took the money line, you're good there. 
the next one was the under 48 and a half. That one hit. Uh, I loved the under before I loved the spread. Uh, I decided myself personally uh, to make a, a rather larger bet on the Super Bowl than I normally do, uh, in which case I parlayed the spread and uh, the over-under, uh, in which case I took the under. So I did not hit on that rather large bet compared to normal. Uh, the position of the MVP I hit, and that would probably be the biggest payout. Uh, I put wide receiver, I believe on DraftKings, it was plus 370. Uh, so that's about th- a little over three and a half to one odds. Uh, Cooper Cup comes home with the MVP. Uh, great game. We'll talk a lot about Cooper Cup uh, throughout the rest of the podcast. Uh, but Matt Stafford's over for passing yards, hit by four yards. So we're good there. Uh, everything so far, either hit or tied. And then uh, here comes the demise. Uh, so Joe Mixon rush yards. I took the under. Uh, it was the over by 10 yards. I took Cam Akers receiving yards over 15 and a half. He had 14 uh, with a very key four yard, negative four yard catch uh, in the third quarter, which basically blew that one out of the water. We had T. Higgins receptions over five and a half. He had a huge reception in this game, which we're again going to talk about, uh, but only four receptions, so did not get the over there. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, got hurt relatively early into this game, which we will also talk about, but he did not have over receptions either of over five and a half. He only had two. And the last one, Rams tonal sacks over three and a half. They had seven. Uh, so pretty impressive. So four, four, and one if you want to give me a half or a tie or a push, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the money line slash spread bet. Uh, just trying to get my odds up. Figured that they would cover the spread, and they did not. So uh, I actually, the, the spread went from three and a half and ended at four and a half before the game started. So either way, still would not have covered that spread. So let's hop into it. So one of the biggest takeaways that I took from this year's Super Bowl, and to be honest, a lot of people out there talking about the halftime show, a lot of people are out there talking about how the Super Bowl wasn't as exciting as former Super Bowls. Uh, I find that very hard to believe considering last year there was a, a little over 92 million viewers for the Super Bowl in 2021. Uh, the 2022 Super Bowl had a, over 101 million, closer to 102 million viewers. So uh, over 10 million more viewers <clears throat> uh, in this year's Super Bowl versus last year's. Uh, so it was relatively exciting. And I'm not really on the same fence as a lot of the media out there. Uh, a lot of the people I've talked to, uh, there's not as many people excited to like talk about the Super Bowl the day after, which is typically what happens like in the workplace, uh, amongst friends, uh, amongst sports fans, what have you. But it was a great game, uh, a great game to watch. There was a lot of stuff in the game I did not like, and there was a lot of stuff in the game that made it more interesting, uh, all of which we're going to talk about in a minute. So uh, first first big thing I want to take away, and the, the two biggest faux pas, and I've said this on the podcast in passing uh, in mul- on, on multiple episodes, uh, but there's two things that ruin big football games for me, and it's injuries and penalties, and both were in a large amount in this football game. So just for the headliners, so Joe Burrow uh, was dinged up in this game. Uh, it looked like he re-injured the knee 
uh, he not the injured knee that he came back from from the torn ACL, but he did have issues with that knee previous before he got to the NFL. Uh, re-injured that knee. Matt Stafford looked like he got his ankle rolled upon, uh, and then he's his play started to change uh, right after that occurred uh, until he was able to kind of snap out of it at the end of the game and and lead them on a basically a game-winning drive. Uh, you've got Eric Weddle, uh, who tore his pec, I think, in the first quarter uh, and then ended up coming back and playing for the rest of the game, which is pretty impressive. So if you tear a pec, it is extremely uncomfortable. Uh, I have a buddy that I actually uh, – he was my random roommate in college. Uh, he was a boxer uh, and a wrestler, uh, and he tore his pec while he was at Kutztown, uh, which is where I went to college. So uh, it was. it's extremely uncomfortable. The man was in a lot of pain and was prescribed a lot of pain medicine for it. So the rehab wasn't fun. Uh, good thing for Eric Weddle. Uh, if you guys haven't figured it out, he came out of retirement basically for the playoffs, just for the playoffs, for the Los Angeles Rams. And he planned on retiring after this. So he's going to have surgery to, to fix his torn pec. And he's going to go back to doing what he was doing uh, before the Rams even called him. Uh, because they were slim at the safety position in terms of depth on their roster. And he was a, a, a journeyman, a veteran uh, that knows the position and plays the position hard. So he's going to go back to his, his life in which he describes as playing pickup basketball and being a family man. Uh, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just can't imagine coming in to play in a playoff run, get to a Super Bowl, and then win that Super Bowl, and then the drive to play football just ends. Uh, but he did make a lot of money in a very small amount of time. Uh, and based on the picture of him and his family, he's probably uh, making a pretty good choice considering he's already been retired. He's going to have major surgery uh, to fix that torn pec. So I don't really blame him, to be quite honest with you. Uh, a lot of people are, and I'm not really going to be on that that type of bandwagon uh, to kind of just wish and or say he should come back and play for another year. So uh, there's Eric Weddle and his injury. Uh, the Bengals' offensive line, and this is attributed to not only injury in this game but previous, uh, it just seemed to me uh, that the Bengals' offensive line was getting dinged up uh, and players were being shuffled throughout the beginning of the football game and, and almost into the third quarter. Uh, players you don't normally see play the guard position, play the tackle position, switch positions mid-drive. It just seemed like they were getting dinged up, and the offensive line for the Bengals was one of those key targeted areas that was going to be a major impact for the results of this football game and how it ended up playing out. So, And, and even in the projections, their offensive line was bad. They knew it was bad. Uh, Joe Burrow, against what most people were considering – the best pick for the Bengals based on Joe Burrow's injury last year and his torn ACL and, and knee reconstruction was that they draft an offensive lineman to protect him on his blind side. And he chose to basically direct the organization to pick Jamar Chase instead of any offensive line help. So uh, whether or not Joe Burrow is personally responsible based on what they told him to pick, uh, that's a decision that you can only make as the listener, as an as a person yourself. Do I think that Jamar Chase was worth being picked at that position? Absolutely. Uh, but I think the Bengals could have done more to help that offensive line kind of solidify him and protect him better than he's been protected all season, especially against uh, a Rams defensive front that is fierce. 
Uh, so that was definitely all eyes were on the offensive line for the Bengals. And by the end of the game, the true colors did come out, and they did uh, end up giving up seven sacks total uh, after only giving up, I think, one sack in the first half. So the second half, Joe Burrow running for his life uh, and also getting dinged up uh, with that injury to, to his uh, opposite knee of the knee he just had surgery on last season and missed a decent amount of games. Uh, and then the last one, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, early in the game, caught two really good passes, one of them being a touchdown. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit later about some of the reasons why these injuries have been more constant. Uh, is it the best way I can describe it in the NFL as of late? Uh, and as of late kind of goes back maybe two to three years uh, you're seeing a lot more non-contact injuries in the NFL, and it's scary uh, for not only players that are coming up, uh, but also their families uh, as well. And, and a lot of people just sh uh, shove it to the side sometimes, and they just say, well, they're making millions of dollars, so why not put their body on the line? It's still a life-changing event uh, for whenever you have a major surgery, regardless of what it's for. So a broken rotator cuff. Uh, a torn rotator cuff, sorry, a broken collarbone, uh, an ACL reconstruction, a, a neck injury, a back injury. Uh, that's li a life-changing event. So regardless of how much money they're making, uh, the rest of their life uh, would still probably rather be lived without a major injury. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the major injuries uh, were... Uh, the injuries were a huge key to the way this game developed. And if you didn't watch the game, the beginning, the transition from the beginning to the middle, and then the transition from the middle to the end, the injuries played a big, big part in, in the way that this game ended. So I, I hate to see that. It's not what you want to see, especially in a Super Bowl where you want everyone healthy because you want the best competition up against the best competition, that typically cannot happen if there are this many injuries to this magnitude to the star to a lot of star players uh, on the football field for both of these teams. Uh, and, and to go over the penalties quick, it, it, it almost seemed, and I've talked about referees all season, and I think all the referees should be fired, to be quite honest with you, uh, because all of the games this year that I've seen questionable calls, it just seems like this year it's been a lot worse. And you can point out any game where there's one or two bad calls. There's five, six, sometimes seven bad calls in some of these football games throughout 2021, 22, 22 uh, the preseason, the regular season, the postseason, and even the Super Bowl. So it just seems... Like the refs are relatively inconsistent and make calls that are typically not called in big spots, uh, which if you agree is right or wrong, uh, it's just what happens. Uh, the, the refs in the NBA do similar situations in a big spot. Do you call a foul? In baseball, it, it, it's it's pretty much hit or, hit or miss. Like it's there or it's not. So it's not so much in baseball, but basketball and the NFL – uh, a lot of these judgment calls that are typically spotted, pointed out, and then gone over in the media, it just seems like these these numbers are going up uh, year by year of how many bad calls, how many no calls, how many shouldn't have been called. Uh, and all of that occurred in this football game, all of it. So injuries and penalties uh, were a definitely a big deter big determinant. Uh, of, and I don't even know if that's a word. That might be another word I created on this podcast. But it's just, it's an issue that needs to be solved. Uh, because these games need to be fair. The competition needs to be 
against competition uh, that we're expecting. And you can't have referees determining how games end up. That's just the way it is. So we'll see moving forward if the NFL makes any type of changes to the referees, whether they whether they change the rules, whether they change the humans that are calling the rules. We'll see, uh, but I'm expecting changes because there's a lot of noise uh, in the media. There's a lot of noise from fans. There's a lot of noise on social media that that is that is calling out referees and where they're making mistakes and how easily it could have been not called or called in a football game. Uh, but my next takeaway uh, from the Super Bowl is the stars shine in the biggest spots, and they don't have to shine the entire time. It's just like real life. Sometimes you can see the North Star clearly. Sometimes it looks bigger. What have you? I'm not a. I'm not an astrologist or whatever the the term is. I'm not. I I I don't study the stars. I don't study space. I don't study any of that type thing. Uh, but on different nights, depending on what's in the sky, where the stars are at, if they've moved, whatever the situation is, your the star never seems the same night in and night out. Now, maybe in a few a few different locations on this planet Earth, there are places where you can see the same star in the same spot with the same brightness. But Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase were irrelevant at po- at points in this football game, but they were also impactful in points in this football game. There wasn't a constant. It wasn't somebody took over and took over for the whole game, but... Cooper Cup showed up. He showed up early, and then he showed up late, but missed the middle. Jamar Chase showed up for his five catches, but other than that, he didn't really do much. Aaron Donald doubled on a lot of run plays, seemed like he was he was out of it, but then got two sacks, made two huge plays at the end of the game, and basically sealed it for the Rams to, to get the to get the win in Super Bowl 56. So the stars did shine, and, and I'm not purposely leaving out the quarterbacks. But the quarterbacks went through the same type type thing where they both got dinged up and they it changed the way they played the game. It changed the way they normally play their game. Where Joe Burrow at the beginning of the game got the ball out quick, seemed to find uh, decent amounts of holes in the, in the Rams' defense to find his wide receivers. And he got hurt and then seemed like he was hesitant. And then the play calling as well from them getting away from the quick pass game uh, to a more uh, longer developing type play kind of hurt them in the end, uh, which is why they weren't able to come out with the victory, honestly. Uh, But the star shined. And if you wanted to see great play from these players, you didn't have uh, wide receivers catching 200 yards in a game. Uh, You didn't have... A running back running for for 150 yards and three touchdowns. You didn't have a large, a huge, I should say a huge, that you didn't have a huge stat line from any of these quarterbacks or any of these players that would think, wow, they definitely dominated the entire game. But they did show up when they needed to show up. Uh, Players on the Cincinnati defense, players on the LA Rams defense, players on the offenses from both teams. The Stars showed up when they needed to, and they made big plays when they needed to, which is something everybody expected to see and always expects to see, especially in a big game like this. But they did show up. They did contribute, and they they made it worth watching for sure. Real quick. Uh, we'll go through it. We've talked about it a little bit, but we'll, I'll go into it just a little bit in depth, a little more. Uh, the QBs and their performances. 
So I talked about Joe Burrow, how they came out, how he played. Uh, the fight of Joe Burrow in this game was phenomenal. Uh, what he was able to get hit by uh, in that play, that the, the play that hurt him and his knee, uh, for him to run off the field without any help, basically, uh, and come back in the game and still fight and try and keep them in it uh, was pretty impressive. And for all the people out there that think that uh, most of this postseason Joe Burrow has been a Cinderella story that might just go away uh, and it might not happen again, I would rethink that uh, because Joe Burrow showed that he can fight. He showed that he's a smart football player, and he showed that he can get a team that was not projected anywhere near the Super Bowl to play together and to play the way they play football. And without a few bad calls by their head coach on going for fourth down conversions where they probably shouldn't have, they probably would have came out with with the victory. Now it's a small and it's a mic, it's a it's a magnifying glass that you're looking at in terms of those two fourth downs because they were fourth and shorts. They weren't uh, deep in their own territory, but they were big plays that changed the football game. So regardless, the media is going to eat it up. And so is anybody that's doing a podcast about the Super Bowl because how well they played besides those two plays proves that they can play as a unit. Uh, and if they're able to 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 keep most of these people uh, that play for this team right now on this depth chart and they're able to, to, to only minimize uh, the losses uh, of the stars on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, the Bengals should be fine going into next season. The AFC is a beast this year. Uh, coming up, it looks like Aaron Rodgers may go to the AFC. Uh, it looks like it looks like the NFC w- with losing Aaron Rodgers and losing Tom Brady, and possibly losing Russell Wilson. Uh, the the NFC might be the weaker the weaker side for sure, especially in terms of star quarterback play. So. Uh, by no means am I saying that the Bengals are definitely going to win their division next year and they're definitely going to get back to where they were this year. Uh, but they proved that they're definitely a, a force to be reckoned with. And they and they can hold their, hell, hold their heads high after this performance because they played well. Uh, and they played well the entire postseason, but especially in this football game uh, with as much pressure that was on them to perform well with what they thought uh, they knew, which was their offensive line was going to get beat at some point. Uh, and they th- and they thought that Jalen Ramsey was going to show up. We'll talk more about Jalen Ramsey in a little bit, but uh, Joe Burrow was able to expose a lot of what that defense is is prided on, uh, and is getting to the quarterback and affecting the way he plays. And they did get to him seven times, but he still played well. Sixty six percent completion percentage, over two hundred yards and two TDs. So. He played well, a good quarterback rating, good completion percentage, uh, and he still he stood in the pocket even after he got dinged up with his knee. So uh, I couldn't really ask for a a more f- a more perfect performance from Joe Burrow based on the way he's played uh, because he fought until the bitter end of this football game. On the flip side, uh, Matt Stafford, he. And there was a lot of noise while I was watching this football game. Decent amount of people uh, watching the game, maybe like 10 10 to 12 people um, at the place that I was watching the game at. Uh, Maybe a little less than that, between 8 to 12 people. But a lot of people uh, there, it was kind of split, honestly, uh, between the the room of people watching, between Rams, um, people wanting the Rams to win or rooting for them or they have a bet on them versus the Bengals. But... When Matt Stafford started throwing interceptions 
uh, and off of Ben Skoranek's hands. Uh, and then also basically throwing an interception in the end zone that ended up getting uh, the, the the Bengals' worse, worse field position than if they would have punted. Uh, those two interceptions I really don't hold against Matt Stafford. I like the way he played, the fight. Uh, some of the throws, sketchy, uh, but that's what you get when you you follow Matt Stafford and see what he's done uh, in his NFL career. So it's just it's just interesting uh, to take to, to to watch Matt Stafford, watch him have success and win a big game. Because I've watched a lot of Matt Stafford, uh, I just haven't watched a lot of Matt Stafford on a decent team. Uh, and it was good to see that he was able to get out of Detroit where they clearly either A, didn't want to surround him with talent, or B, could not surround him with talent, or at least the talent that he needed to be successful. Uh, but in his first year in LA, he comes back with a, with a Super Bowl. Uh, and, and now we have everybody on the hype train uh, of saying that he's definitely going to get in the Hall of Fame now, which is definitely going to be a conversation for another podcast. But uh, the media hype train, you knew that you, every year after the Super Bowl, uh, the media takes three stories and really runs with them. That's going to be one of those stories that they run with. Uh, is going to be Matt Stafford, and is he going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Is he even going to get into the Hall of Fame? And we have plenty of time to talk about that. We don't have to talk about that right now, but I, he plays well, uh, and he plays well on bad teams. He plays well on good teams, and he's worth every penny of his contract, which is probably going to be extended, uh, and he's probably going to get a new contract. And And don't be surprised if he gets paid $40 million a year. Uh, with probably 60 to 70% of his salary being fully guaranteed. Uh, now, he's no Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has finds out a way, uh, and you know me as the Vikings fan, got to throw the Kirk Cousins jab in there, but uh, Kirk Cousins finds a way to get his contracts fully guaranteed uh, and get paid more money than he's worth. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to see what happens with the Rams, with the Bengals going into the offseason and into next season. But... A great performance by Matt Stafford after he gets dinged up, similar to the Joe Burrow situation uh, where he gets his ankle rolled over, looks like he's hobbling. Uh, Matt Stafford threw, I'm pretty sure threw a pass for the, the Lions, threw a pass with a dislocated shoulder, a th- dislocated throwing shoulder. Uh, so the the ability uh, to get over pain for Matt Stafford, not a problem. So I wasn't really concerned uh, with a bet on the Rams. I was maybe a little concerned that it was going to affect the game, which it did. Uh, but his fight in this game and for him to take this team that was all in uh, going into this season uh, because they clearly, based on their decisions, don't care about draft picks. Uh, they want to get winners in that building. They want to get winners with with experience. Uh, and they want to keep them, and they're willing to pay these people uh, from all these different teams that they've acquired these people throughout the years. Uh, we can go as far back as Marcus Peters, uh, Von Miller. Uh, they went out with Stafford and got Stafford. Uh, there's a lot of players that they went out and got. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, Brandon Cooks, even even a little bit uh, in the past. They've been willing to give up high-value picks for players that are proven. And they did it to most of their football team, which is why they are left with not that many picks in the upcoming years, especially first-round picks. I think I saw something that they don't have a first-round pick until 2027, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it could be one in there, but maybe they have one first-round pick. 
until 2027 or in the middle of that time gap. Uh, but that's kind of crazy to think about uh, because first round picks uh, for a lot of, for most of the other 31 NFL football teams is that ability to draft a game changing player that can get your team from either below average to average or from average to above average. And, and you're able to do that as long as you have a draft pick that's high enough uh, to capitalize and, and make sure that based on the way the contracts are set up and that if, if this player comes and is drafted by you, you don't have to pay him a lot of money for the first four to five years of his, of his time on that football team. So that's why draft picks are extremely important in the NFL and how teams are able to build, I wouldn't say build dynasties, but build competitive teams. Dynasties, one in a million. Uh, you've got the Patriots dynasty that probably had multiple different levels to it. Uh, and then you have a lot of people out there, and me included, thinking that the Chiefs may have the next dynasty uh, in the NFL. But we'll see what happens. But very interesting and very cool to watch Matt Stafford have success. And I root for him 100%. Love the story. Love the story of what he's overcome family-wise, what he's overcome on the football field. And it's just great to see good people having good results. Uh, because one of the things that I hear and I live by because I've seen it happen a plethora amount of times everywhere in my life is that bad things happen to good people and good things typically happen to bad people. It just is a thing that happens. I don't know why, but I've seen it happen in jobs that I've worked at in real life with my friends, with my family. It's just bad things happen to good people. And unfortunately, sometimes good people can't get out of those bad situations. And I love to see Matt Stafford come out on top in this one. Next, I said we were going to talk about it. We're going to get into it. Jalen Ramsey. And there's a lot of people, uh, not at only at my job, um, and not as many at my job, but former friends. I wouldn't say former friends. Friends I don't keep in contact with as much as I probably should. Uh, and a lot of media people considering Jalen Ramsey the best corner in the league. That would be all well and dandy if he didn't absolutely stink in this football game. Uh, he was beat by multiple Bengals receivers. Jamar Chase pretty much all night. Uh, and he was open on that last play. Uh, Aaron Donald gets to Joe Burrow on fourth and one, I believe. Uh, no, it was fourth and short. It was fourth and short. I can't remember if it was, it was exactly one. Aaron Donald gets there. Joe Burrow can't get rid of the ball. Uh, incomplete pass to basically end the game with 38 seconds left. The Rams kneel it out and win the Super Bowl. Uh, Bengals were going down for the, t the game-tying field goal. Uh, but Jalen Ramsey was beat by wide receivers all night. All night. Uh, and it was a problem. And not only was he beat all night uh, and proved that he can have a bad game, uh, but he also got away with a lot of holding calls. And holding calls in the NFL, especially on the defensive side of the ball, have been a very hot topic. Uh, the last few years, especially this year, uh, with people basically protesting to abolish the defensive holding call, or at least abolish it being an, a, an automatic first down. But he got away with a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of slow-mos, a lot of stuff that they showed on TV. And then when I went back to rewatch the Super Bowl, uh, rewatched a little bit of it on Game Pass, all the stuff that I wanted to see, especially the the Rams on defense, taking a look at Ramsey. Uh, but Ramsey was was giving out a lot of space out there, and that's something that he's not really known for doing. 
whether it was the big spot of the Super Bowl, whether he wasn't 100% healthy, or whether the defensive play calls were just wrong in the wrong spots, they, they, that all became the hodgepodge of Jalen Ramsey getting beat by multiple players. And it's a problem. Now, the secondary of the Rams as a whole played terribly in this football game. Terribly. Uh the, the, there were big plays after big plays. Uh, zone coverage was not very good. Man coverage was actually worse. Uh, their linebackers can't really cover uh, as well as people at least thought they could. It, it didn't seem like they were all there uh, in terms of their pass coverage and their passing defense defensive calls throughout the game. Now, their front seven showed up. Now, they didn't show up early, uh, but they showed up in the second half, and towards the end of the first half, they started to get going. So I, I, I don't have any ill will towards the defensive front seven for the Rams, but their secondary needs adjustment adjustments for sure. Do I say they unload Jalen Ramsey because they think he's horrible, and I think he's horrible? Absolutely not. I just think he had a stinker, uh, and I use that term often in these podcasts for teams that just have bad games, bad offensive games, bad defensive games. Uh, bad overall games. It was just a stinker uh, for, for their secondary. They just got smoked. Now, Eric Weddle uh, did play well in the first quarter before he got hurt, but he was clearly injured. Coming back in that game, he gave it a go. He played the rest of the game, but he wasn't the same Eric Weddle. And besides Jalen Ramsey, who had a bad game, who else had a good game? No one, especially in the secondary. So uh, that's it was just bad news bears, especially for Jalen Ramsey, but not only him, the entire secondary unit uh, for the Rams. Now, they're probably going to make adjustments uh, throughout the offseason, and they still won the Super Bowl. So regardless of how bad they played, they got the W, which is what matters in the end. Um, but they, they did have a, a relatively terrible performance as a, as a unit. Uh, for the L.A. Rams secondary. The one thing I do want to bring up is a lot of people talking crap on Jalen Ramsey on the internet. However, uh, if you did not see T. Higgins on his 75-yard touchdown catch from Joe Burrow, literally grab Jalen Ramsey's helmet, whip him around, and then catch the ball and score a touchdown and not think that that was a flag, you have no idea about NFL football. I don't care if you agree with the holding, you disagree with the holding, you didn't think it was enough for for offensive pass interference, you cannot grab a face mask of an opposing player, regardless of what side of the football you're on, twist him around, and basically toss him to the side and not get flagged for it. Like, that was 100% a flag. And Jalen Ramsey was heated on the field. If you didn't see it, go back and watch it. He was heated, and for for good reason. You watch that live especially at, at in real time, like real game time speed, it doesn't look like anything. It looks like Ramsey falls. But if you look at it in slow motion, that is 100% a flag, and it should have been called. That's a game-changing play in the game, and another flag that affects the way the game's played after that play is not called a penalty. I, it's just the honest truth. Whether I, And I said it already, but I'm going to say it again. It doesn't matter how you feel about the flags and whether or not they're soft, whether or not it should be a flag. Currently, right now, defensive holding is a flag, and so is offensive pass interference. So if a play falls under that type of, of description, it, the flag should be thrown and land on the ground. And for the referees to basically go... I don't know. Let's see. Best guesstimation. 50 minutes uh, calling a relatively lenient game 
uh, for them to then decide to throw a crap ton of flags in the last eight to six to eight minutes of the football game is absolutely wild. It's absolutely wild. You never see that in the NBA, which is the comparison of people, uh, of referees literally uh, letting them play or calling every foul. Be consistent if you're going to do it. If you're going to be consistent, I'm not going to argue it. If you're going to call a ticky-tack foul, call that ticky-tack foul the entire game. If you're going to call offensive pass interference or defensive pass interference, call that the entire game. Don't realize that it's a big moment now and figure out where your flag is in your pocket. And that's what it seemed like to me. That's what it seemed like. Now, the flags at the end helped the Rams win, which is what I picked. Uh, but I could care less what I bet money on. I'm not betting life-changing money on football games. Um, makes it a little bit more interesting when you put a little bit of money on it. Uh, it, it, it I'm not. It's not life or death. I'm not a professional gambler. But you want to see a game called fairly, and you want to see it called consistently. And that was not what this game was at all. All right, two more takeaways that I've got. Uh, and then we'll wrap up the pod, and I'll tell you guys more about what what is to come uh, for the All in Man Cave podcast. But the roster changes that you're going to see in these two between these two teams uh, can be really, really like high, uh, or the changes could be really, really low, depending on how these teams decide to go. Lot of free agents from these two teams, especially on the defensive side of the football for the Bengals, uh, and the offensive side of the football for the Rams. So there's people on both sides, obviously, uh, that are up for a contract, up for that want a new contract that could possibly seek free agency. You've got Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you've got the possible retirement of Aaron Donald. You've got uh, a lot of the players that made the Bengals defense relevant and kept them in football games. Uh, they're some of their veteran uh, high pick cornerbacks, some of their linebackers, and some of their defensive linemen. Uh, probably a few from each unit. Uh, I don't have exactly the names in front of me, but there, there's a lot. I uh, got an ESPN update to my phone a little bit ago, uh, kind of detailing what those were. I don't have it up in front of me right now, but uh, there's a lot of players, and that's going to determine whether or not these teams are going to be able to, in quotation marks, run it back. Uh, I won't expect anything different from the Rams, uh, but to try and re-sign everyone and try and run it back similar to the way the Buccaneers went into this season after their Super Bowl win last season. They brought back every starter. Now, do I think the Rams are going to bring back every starter? Absolutely not. Uh, that was all probably a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Everybody was able to figure it out. They all went in together and said, I may take less money because we're going to win. We're going to be competitive. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see who stays and who goes. I'm going to keep a tracker on it. Uh, because I think it's Duke, it's uh, should be duly noted, uh, especially for you guys for information for this podcast uh, to see what happens with some of these free agents from the two teams that were in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. I've got a tally, a uh, little bit, a l- little whiteboard action in 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 the in the in the man cave uh, so to keep track of who's going to stay, who's going to go, or uh, what happens to these two teams in terms of roster changes, in terms of depth charts, in terms of what have you. So I'll keep an eye on that. But it's definitely something to to take notice of. Uh, Basically, the Rams have done this in a way that is relatively new. And to see the team that played them and lost to them in the Super Bowl, uh, for them to maybe copycat that type type 
uh, situation uh, and maybe make it their own version uh, of maybe bringing everybody back as well might be a change in the NFL we haven't seen in a while. Uh, it might be a different outlook for some of these teams to take when trying to create these highly competitive teams for a lot of years and giving up draft picks. So it might be a, 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 a basically a continental shift in the NFL in terms of how people went from uh, basically prioritizing draft picks and using the draft to make their teams better. Uh, there might be a transition into free agency making their teams better or via trade or just continuously signing players that they know have a huge impact on their football team being successful. So it's definitely going to be something we keep our eyes on. Um, especially me personally, because it's very interesting to me, uh, as it should be interesting to any NFL fan, if basically the entire way of of success in the NFL f- shifts from one side of the, the boat to the other. Uh, so I'll keep a look on it, and I'll update you guys as I see uh, changes in, in what teams are doing and some of these some of this news comes out uh, throughout the offseason going into next uh, next preseason. So I'll definitely take a look on that. But one last thing I want to touch on, and I don't have a lot of info on this. Uh, this was brought up to me uh, via the internet and via one of my buddies that I talk a lot of sports to. Listen, and I didn't even realize the real impact of it. And I talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the podcast, but the non-contact injuries in the NFL have been huge uh, and have seen a huge spike in volume in the past few years. And I didn't really put two two and two together here, uh, but I will now because this is a really great statement. But NFL players, uh, parts, uh, organizational people within the NFL are seeing uh, and kind of noticing that turf fields are causing non-contact injuries. You saw Odell Beckham Jr. tear his ACL in the Super Bowl. You saw saw a lot of non-contact injuries this year in terms of ACLs, Achilles, anything to the leg uh, that's non-contact. And it's all based on players saying that it's unsafe to play on turf fields. I have one major comment about this, and it has nothing to do with my agreeance or disagreeance with that statement. My comment is about what change do you want to happen? Uh, because I think it's going to be relatively hard to get, and listen, don't don't quote me on this number, but I'm pretty sure that, I don't know, at least 60%, if not higher, of the amount of stadiums are turf. So you're asking owners to completely either resod a stadium or plant a, or start a grass stadium and dig up the turf is a very high expense, uh, even for an owner of an NFL team. And when that happens, can the team actually still play there? Absolutely not, which is now uprooting your team and causing a disadvantage in football games if this is happening during a regular season. Now, I find it very hard to believe that you're able to change a turf field into a grass field in less than a week. So that is going to be a huge stipulation if the NFLPA, if, if, if athletic trainers for some of these teams are going to push for real grass fields, whether they're resodded, whether the grass is going to be planted. I, I don't know how that works. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of creating a football stadium uh, or how, that's, how that process works. But that's going to be a huge ask from some of these NFL owners if they're made to change their stadium from turf to to real grass it's going to be a huge ask even for billionaires 
Uh, it's going to be a huge ask, and it's going to cause a lot of issues, even if it's not a huge ask and they can clearly pay for it. It's going to cause a lot of issues within the NFL if, if owners are going to be forced to do this. Now, are they going to be forced? I have no idea. Could they even be forced? forced? I have no idea. Not a clue. But if they are, that's an insane story. That is an absolute insane story to think about. If some of these teams have to, if some of these teams have to completely uproot their stadium to change it based on something that may or may not be, and I listen, I don't have all the research in front of me. I don't have proven facts in front of me. They may come out via the media at some point, but that would be interesting as hell. Uh, to see NFL owners forced to change their stadiums from turf to from having turf fields to having grass or sod fields, it would be extremely interesting to say the least. We'll keep an eye on that. That's going to be a big, big news in the in the off season. We have a plenty and a plethora of off season moves. We've got Russell Wilson drama. We've got Aaron Rodgers drama. We've possibly have Tom Brady drama. We've got a lot of drama. There's a lot of big market players and great players that are going to be either traded, want to be traded, or hit free agency this offseason, and I will have a tracker. I have a tracker in one of my notebooks that I keep with me handy, Uh, so I will be going over every single move and all of the developments of that as they happen for sure. So don't worry about missing anything if you don't see it, and don't don't worry about missing my opinion because you won't uh, because that's what this podcast is about. So I'm I'm definitely going to be following all this all this NFL news, any type of news for the NFL. I'm always down for, especially in the off season uh, when nothing's going on really uh, before between like now after the Super Bowl and the draft. That's definitely going to be how some of these are some of these podcasts are going to be filled with some great content, uh, and I'll be here every step of the way uh, to give my opinions on all of it for you guys. So thank you so much, everyone. I appreciate it. That's going to end the Super Bowl recap pod. I hope everybody had a great time watching the Super Bowl. If you didn't, go back and watch it. Uh, if you did and you didn't have a good time, I have no idea why because it was a great game. Um, some of the bets hit, some of them didn't. This is basically how it went the entire season for at least my podcast, the All in Man Cave podcast, and the EK Parlay, uh, which has, I named it after two dudes that I hang out with at work, big sports fans, betting guys, uh, shout out to Emmanuel Cadane and Kevin Thomas. Thank you guys for allowing me to use your names in the EK Parlay. Unfortunately, none of it was successful. We did not win a parlay all season, but there's always going to be another football season. So we have plenty of opportunities to do so. Real quick, got a surprise for you guys coming this week. Keep your eyes peeled in the feed. Uh, By the end of the week, uh, there will be a podcast coming out, and it is a special podcast. I will not release any other information. I will make you guys tune in and find out, but it's going to be an awesome pod. Uh, and it, it, it's going to be a little bit different than what we've been doing, but it's going to be interesting to say the least. So tune in uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, or Apple Podcasts, uh, to see when the newest episode of the All In Man Cave podcast will drop. Uh, once again, I appreciate all the listeners out there, all the support, all the shares. Add me on Twitter at All In Man Cave Pod. Add me on Facebook. Cole Hate, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y, Diaz and Dog, Tia's and Tom. Uh, and I appreciate it. Tell all your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your family, anyone who would enjoy some great sports banner, hot takes, uh, and the, the newest updated news uh, and the advice from, from this guy and the opinion of this guy, Cole Hate. 
So thank you guys again. I really appreciate it. 76 good episodes. Can't wait to do some more with you. So until the next podcast, like I always say, peace.